0: Welcome back to the weekly segment of Siltzah here. It's Declan Quinney on the pod. I know it's Quinny's favourite time of the week when he gets to hear me talk nonsense for um, another. And Quinny, since we've last been on, another three points at home against Kilmarnock. um, 2-0 victory. We don't want to turn this into a transfer special, but in January time, there's obviously a lot of rumours floating about. Um, We've had one of our newest signings, Damaki Iwata, unveiled. He spoke to the channel. Um, at the fan media presser on Tuesday and we'll have a wee chat about him and where he'll maybe fit in. First of all, um, off the bat, let's go with, with Georges Yakimakis um, as our kind of top story at this moment in time. Club in Japan, interested, double your money offer, um, but this morning it came out recording this on the Thursday that Sampdoria. I'm um, interested in him. What is your role take in this situation? And I know people are saying, you know, there's probably two sides to this argument and that Yakimakis has scored a lot of goals for Celtic it would be very difficult to replace a goal scorer in January time then other people are saying obviously if he's not happy at the club it's best just to to get him out but what is your your whole take in this whole scenario that's unfolded in front of us?
1: Well it does feel like his time is done as doesn't it? You know like I think he's been quite open in his own ambitions of you know wanting to uh, you know there's some sort of cryptic message that came out I can't remember if it was through the Great or through him himself, like in December, but it was like there was some sort of gentleman's agreement after like a season or so. He'd be on better money. He'd get another contract offer, different situation. His age, his career status, all that kind of stuff coming into it as well. So I don't think it's been much of a secret that he is out for in the best possible way, you know, like time is against you as a footballer in your late 20s, you know. And if we're not going to be playing him every week and we're not going to pay him the money that he thinks he's on, then he was always a interested in leaving and it feels like it's been quite swift it's a good time to move them as well has been enough interest sometimes our problem is these guys this situation bubbles on when no one's interested in them maybe they've got six months left in their contract but but this is you know a lot different
0: yeah it is a lot different um you know a lesson i think that celtic needed to learn and should have learned after the season twenty twenty one. 2020, 2021, sorry, um, the, the COVID season, as you, you don't want players hanging around the building that don't want to be at the football club. We don't know that's absolutely correct. And Yakimak is at this time, we do know there's a frustration from the players' part um, on wages, which is why a, a new deal has not been agreed. Um, You would hope that if the player did want to stay at the club, that Celtic would have been pushing to try and keep him at the club. But it looks as if I've kind of kept it at that crossroads juncture that you do come to be a player. A player wants to go, the club are happy to, to shift them because they've got another target. We've all come on to talk about uh, Chogu Sung very shortly. Um, But in terms of Sampdoria, as a move surprising or what you possibly expected? Um, Geographically, it's nice and close to home. It's a good league. But Sampdoria's position in, in Serie A just now isn't you know, what you'd maybe come to expect if having already experienced that. You know, VVV Venlo, Quinny he was relegated after finishing top goalscorer in any divisie. I don't know why a footballer would want to put themselves back in that position instead of winning trophies. But what do I know?
1: I, I definitely think Jackie Marcus would. Yeah, you know, I think I think Sampdoria are very surprising for the reasons you've kind of said there, and like from what I've seen of them this year, like there's, you know, the kind of lower end team Italian football, they, they're kind of in one or two kind of builds. One of them has been like a, you know, you get Monzas and Verunas and Bolognas that try and shop smart and try and play kind of good and do their best every week. And then you've got a few teams like like Sampdoria and then a few of the other teams that are down towards the bottom that don't really have much of an identity, change their manager very frequently, and a lot of the signings have made like just a car crash situation. So I don't see, I don't get Sampdoria. Like they must be paying them a lot. And like if he is going to start every week, then that is his primary ob- uh, objective because, mm. particularly in Syria, I suppose we've seen a lot of guys that can go like um, the the Polish guy Piatic or Piantic. Uh, springs to mind, you know, some of these guys. If you do get the ground running in Syria, like you can move up the food chain quite swiftly, you know, within a transfer window or so. So maybe he just sees it as a short window, and then if they're paying him enough money, then maybe he takes the risk of that relegation. But. I do find it surprising. I would have thought Urubu. I thought that might have been a bit closer because they can pay money. You know, they can pay pretty good money for somebody like Jackis and they can go into the fight to to win trophies and compete on a continental level.
0: Yeah, there's that point that you make there about the G League um, with with Red Diamonds, and you know, on paper it looks as if yeah they can financially support this kind of deal. But Sampdoria as well. I, I don't think at this point in time Yakiwakis is probably looking for wages that Are too out with Celtic's kind of wage structure, but everything that goes into the deal around you know looking for a younger replacement in terms of choice, four years younger than Yakimakis at this point in time, selling players at the right point about when they're maybe hitting that peak value, possibly when they're having those disagreements within the dressing room around um, where they find themselves in the team. You know, you, you can't imagine that Yakimakis is too chuffed at playing second fiddle um, every week to Kyogo at this point in time. But, you know, that's the manager's prerogative. Kyogo's goal-scoring record's proven why um that's the case at this point in time. As you say, though, it could be, you know, six months at Sampdoria, it could be a year and a half at Sampdoria, and then we move to another Italian club, you know, at 29, his not going to be over. There's still some time left in the old tank. um, But at this point in time, you probably think, having scored and having such a, a good goal-scoring record at Celtic, he'd maybe be looking for a move. It's a wee bit of a more attractive and comfortable level. Comfortable in the sense that you're not fighting relegation again. But again that's his prerogative to go and seek that type of move and you know, I think if he does leave the club, um we'll be we'll be happy with, with what he's given us. Um quite incredible to think that uh, along with Jota and Cameron Cutley Vickers the he he signed on deadline Day in, in August twenty twenty one. Quite incredible to think that. Um where would it have been without those three signings in, the, the, in terms of the bigger picture of the whole um, season. But but moving on from Yakimakis, um, it looks as though you know, we'll come on to go to eventually. We've already got his replacement in and Alistair Johnson. We are hunting uh, Chogu Song at this point in time. Um, Minnesota United are the other team that's interested in him. Mints have also submitted a bid of £2.7 million, um, £3 million euros. Celtic are in that €3 million euros category. Yesterday it was revealed, which I thought was quite interesting, Quinny, in that Minnesota and Celtic are quite happy to include sale-on clauses. Celtic's transfer bid is around €3, 3 uh, million, euros, as I say. I think Minnesota's around €4.2 million, euros, but Celtic's quite willing to put a 50% sale-on clause up to £6 million pounds in the deal, which, you know, it d- depends probably at this point in time where own book sees that, whether they want the cash up front for song or whether they're pretty confident that yeah, he'll go to Celtic European football shine, having already had that bit of World Cup experience under his belt and excel and end up with another big move.
1: Yeah. I think part of the, the, the difficult thing around it but is we are the only team that will be telling this guy that he's going to be sharing pitch time. You know, he's not going to be our, the main guy and He's not going to be the the, the future of the, of the the rest of this season or the new season about to come if you're talking about america um and i think that along with wages will be a thing for this guy as much as as for john book wanting to know where he's going to go or where they you know they want to obviously maximize the the, the transfer policy for them but for him i think it's a bit different as well Like. Maybe min I think against from something I read. We I don't think we are paying the. I don't think we are offering the guy the best pay packet. I think maybe that's mm. maybe America that's done that. Um, but again, he wants to move to Europe, which we are the only. I think mine's withdrew yesterday as well. You know, so I think we are the only real European bid left in for him that he would consider.
0: Yeah, and on the other side, um, from articles that I've read, are, are Ferdinand so who just seem to be com- completely quiet uh, in this whole. Sag at this point in time, so there is that desire to play in European football. It was interesting, he did a sit down at the training ground. Um, I don't know if that was yesterday, but the, the time difference works today. Um, and you know, he, he spoke about that desire to play in Europe, but it's almost as if he's just kind of taking a breath and just taking it all in and seeing what is best for him, which is absolutely fair enough. A football player, um, has that, you know, to, to do themselves, you know, it's, it's not. Easy for the flick of the switch to say yep, okay, pack my bag and I'm off to Celtic to. You know, it's, it's a lot to, to think about. It's a lot, as you say, Quinny. If the manager's coming and saying yep, you're going to play football, but you're not going to play week in, week out. You know, that's not the easiest of sales. But again, and of course, the code was very clear, and that you know, if a player, you know, doesn't want to be at the football club or maybe doesn't crave that type of chance, they're not going to be here. So, I've chose happy to come in and share with Kyogo and try and make his mark improve to the manager, Yep, I'm your starter. Fair enough. Um but again, it does a wee bit just still look as if all the eggs are in one basket. But just think back twelve months ago, it looked as if the same situation um was in order where Riley McGree falls through or Riley pops out. Yeah. So at this point in time I'm not too worried whether this deal goes through or doesn't go through because of good confidence and the manager but just in terms of you know his profile if that's everything that we're looking for but would you agree Quinny just in terms of what I said there that if it happens we'll be delighted but if it doesn't you'll still expect Celtic to go out and buy a striker when Jakimakis goes
1: Yeah I, I, I definitely think so and the fact that you know we're kind of linked you know we were linked you know we were running for that Tengstead guy you know which was the Norwegian wonder kid coming out of Rosenberg and you know yeah I, I think I don't think we probably thought we would have been able to, you know, I, I think because Tengstead was kind of on the radars of a lot of clubs and scouts and whatever, and like maybe three or four months ago when this form that he's now kind of heralded with having after that was like four or five games in, people started paying attention to him and whatnot. And like we've seen with like the, with like Bodo over the last couple of years and whatever. Like a lot of big teams will go in and buy kids from Norway and France and Italy and England. Obviously, we've done it before with Ayer. We've seen Odegaard go to Real Madrid in the past. So yeah. um, it's maybe a wee bit of... Uh, somebody else will probably beat us to the punch on this one, but we were actually yeah, kind of there, a there decent, last.
0: There's a decent Norwegian boy that plays up top for, for Man City. I don't know if you've, if you've clocked him yet. Uh, oh, I What was in the game? just as I know it's a city jersey behind you he's another one eh? tapped up by Selksburg at
1: the time Um, that's it Uh, but yeah um, I I think that that we maybe had that kind of expectation that we would have been second to the party on him and maybe that's why Cho was number one target and still kind of number Mm -hmm. one is but there's probably another guy like that that is on our radar that hasn't been revealed yet or maybe he has with some of the rumour mills that we've seen but I I make it right I don't think there's we're going to be clueless
0: Mm -hmm. It doesn't strike me at all, as of yet, that under Andy's reign, apart from that first summer when I think it was probably Manic in there, there was a lot of bodies leaving the building. By the end of it, you know, I've already spoken about Yakimakis, Carter Vickers and Jota coming in on deadline day. It probably was Manic in there. But after, you know, that January window when you're bringing three players in before it's Hugman A, and then the clock strikes twelve and Happy New Year, you know by that point you were in quite a calm position. Maybe people will hit back we get, but we signed Abelgard who's not worked out in deadline day. Absolutely. That's correct. But it wasn't a panic in terms of we needed him to come into the team right I away. Mean, we still had plenty of cover in that position. It's just as if we were trying to kinda of bulk the squad up a wee bit with that signing. But what I'm kinda of saying, Quinny, is that in terms of first team players that after that first window, which we knew was going to be really difficult, it was, you know, dubbed a rebuild and everything else, but we've been pretty calm. You don't need to panic because I, I, I seriously um, feel that if Cho doesn't happen, I think there'll be somebody else in the radar. But I'm quite hopeful that it does happen. And just to kind of you know go down this wee tangent and another road here, just looking at his profile, um, take his goals and his striking ability um, out of his game. Because by the way, in terms of the, the, the data, it looks as if he's a wee bit more of uh, kind of team player compared to Yakimaka's really I mean, like Yakima is a great goal scorer. Um yep. in terms of his assists and whatnot don't really hold up as well as Cho's but listen, Stryker's job is to put the ball in the back of the head But in terms of Cho, um, he's got nearly three million followers on Instagram, which, you know, of course when you're looking at a football player, it should be all about their ability in the park first. But in terms of a brand, you know, we've already starting to make inroads in the Japanese market. And um, you're seeing the league now do that. Well but we'll even probably touch on that. But again, South Korea, this would be a great market for Celtic to explore. From watching, I know you're a big football fan like me, did, did you ever watch the the Spurs documentary on Amazon Prime?
1: I watched, it, I watched the first couple of seasons with Spurs, uh, with Mourinho in, in that. Yeah, 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 I watched that one. So I'm guessing, yeah. I yeah and see and that you one. remember
0: remember the, the clip in it with uh, Human Son? And there's folk who are, you know, South Korean football fans that are coming for South Korea to meet Human Song outside the bloody training ground. So, you know, these football fans are absolute fanatics as well. And again, it's a great market to explore and a brand of growing the club, which should also be important. You know, it shouldn't be the priority when you're buying a player. But just in terms of that add up, again, it's like a sitting duck for Celtic that it makes sense both on the park and off the park to bring Chogu song to Celtic.
1: Totally. And obviously this guy has built that following himself, you know, so that definitely comes into his reckoning and, and that's probably why he wants to move through it because it's quite good for his status in uh, the world game as it were. But probably also why America are pushing for him as well because like the MLS this year, as I've kind of mentioned the passing before, they've got a big deal with Apple TV this year. So they're now going to have better broadcasting like worldwide and they're going to want recognisable stars from all over the world. And yeah, you know, they
0: won't boys don't really they?
1: push the boat out to get a kid like this they,
0: they, they won't post boys for that type of deal not just happens um, you know the guys
1: sold. up and coming as well aye
0: that's it. That, of course um, and, and you've been a great champion MLS in terms of you know quality players coming out we see that with our newest right back and Alistair Johnson but just just that wee point that I made there in, in terms of um, Scottish football exploring different markets you're now seeing the effect of you know <laughs> yeah. what Angie's done and Scottish football here, which has been recognised. I know club, uh, team fans of other clubs would say, oh, away you go. But Robbie Nielsen came out and fair enough, I'm really no Robbie Nielsen's biggest fan. I'll admit that, right? I think he's a misery guts He loves a moan and whatever else. Um, did a good job first time around at Hearts. He's done a fairly decent job the second time around as well. But he came out in saying that, you know, that that models for any player to look at what Celtic's brought in and what it's done for their profile and where it's got them. You know, listen, Dyson Mida probably would have went to the World Cup. I'm not saying it was just purely based on his Celtic performances, but you see Rio getting handed his first cap for Japan. Kobayashi will be hoping that he's the guy to make that break from the centre defence beside uh, Itakura, who's playing at Gladback, whatnot. It's great for the Scottish game that this is now happening and it can only improve the standard of our league that we're not just, you know, a league that's looking at lowland league English players because their wages are so low in Scotland that we're branching out and going into these markets. And, you know, I would love to see Scottish football expand and look at different markets like it's doing that now.
1: Yeah, and I think it's I, I think it's a huge edit to kind of what Japan have done in terms of how they actually develop players. As we've mentioned on the channel a bunch of times, like for Rio's age, how many games he's played. And you see this thing with Matoma, the guys at Brighton. His career started the same season as Rio's. You know, they're both between them. You get roughly the same amount of appearances across all competitions. And what you find with Japanese players is they tend to stay and play a lot longer. You know, there's a few tropes. Like the oldest football player in the world is like 52, and he's Japanese. But the, the, the league in general... There's plenty of players that make it into their late 30s, etc. What that does for you, couple like us, who've been with why it gets interest, hearts and motherwell, and everyone else we're seeing now, is because at 24, an athlete, a football athlete in particular, is in a great stage of their development. You know, there's more to come from them. And if they've had that extra consideration and probably a better kind of. I'm getting kind of like garbage when I'm thinking about this, but you know, like almost like the, like the greenhouse kind of effect, you know, they're kept mm-hmm. in that greenhouse to develop as a footballer. Before it's a pressure contracts and all this stuff. They're in their twenties, and then when they move into you know, the J League, you know they're you know they're cutting their teeth, and then by the time they come over here, you've got more of an adult than you do at 19 or 20. When you're picking some guys up fresh out in academy, that break onto the scene in Poland or whatever, you know.
0: Yeah, that, that's it. And even, you know, back to what we were saying about Chogu song. He, he said in that interview that he has ambitions to play in English Premier League one day, which I'm sure a lot of football players across the world do. It's the reality in terms of money that's in the game now. That Scottish football just cannot compete with English football in terms of attracting the top talent. You know, your Man City's Manchester United's Arsenal's Chelsea's blah, 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 the rest have all got, you know, the, the riches to spend. But, that can be used to an advantage of teams in Scotland, surely, because if, you know, players from Japan or South Korea or whatever it may be, not just Asian players, possibly African players or whatever, may look at Scottish football and think, yeah, okay, that's a place I can go to. Um, I can try and get to know the culture a wee bit, or, you know, British football or whatever else. And then if I feel ready, I can make that step up. And they're probably in a better position to make that step up from a Scottish team, you know, than they would be possibly sitting in their own, their own country, just with the way it's kind of went, just now that they're getting that chance to swing. I mean, Hearts last season, for instance, and again, you know, I'm coming across in a bad way here, because that doesn't as if I quite like the jumbles and I really don't, but, you know, they were playing <laughs> European football last season, which is a good opportunity for players to try and, you know, produce something on.
1: Total. And it's, it's one of these things where... Like, there's a lot of different landing spots you can go to in Europe. Like, if you're out with Europe, if you're coming from America, we're talking about Asia and that kind of stuff now. And typically what you tend to see is, like, a lot of clear migration paths. So players that move to... whether it's one of the other ones, tend to end up and in, move into Switzerland and maybe Austria as well, Belgium. All these guys can move into France and Italy very easily. Portugal players can move from England to Spain very easily. That's kind of normally what you see. And for us, we are now kind of getting ourselves in that position by selling. Let's see where Makis and Juranovic go. But once we have that outlet of not just feeding the English Championship in the bottom end of the Premier League, but we sell players into mid-table, high-end Italy, Spain, Germany, whatever it might be, then um, we can then start to become, like for these players, like the, the best destination possible. But the thing in turn... The the reason you always want good, exciting young players in the team, obviously to sell them for more later, obviously to have them play the team and do great, but you always want your own academy, your own kids bring brought through to have the best examples around them. And the comments that other managers have made in the past that they, they get a bit of stick for, are are they they do have uh, credence in them, you know. When Lee Johnson says my players could do well, to look at how those guys you know handle themselves and treat themselves, you know, like there's always crazy innovations going on all over the world in all sorts of different sports sciences and stuff like that. And youth plus coming through our academy, our B team, then coming into these guys who have been playing less than 100 professional matches at the age of 22 and been around that standard. It's also a a, a bar lifter, you know, for all the players we've got in the building as well. So it's not just, like we said earlier, America, just about having the old guys, because we don't really have it. any old guys seen it, done it. But it's about having as many like young bloods, hungry guys that are all scratching at it that all, lift the bar in so many different ways and that's why once you've got that situation running at Celtic for that we've got the now once we've had this for about five or six years like the standard of youth player we were bringing through a lot of these guys that have potential and don't quite realise it maybe like 20% of them more do realise it and they realise it wearing the green and white rather than going to the body championship or League One or something and then whatever else normally happens to youth prospects that don't make it here
0: That's always a hope and again you know just in terms of the league it's something to be looking at when it comes to TV deals and whatever else you know. Should got a, a a decent you know standard of a, a a player from whatever country it may be. Go and try and sell a TV deal there. You know, and bring more money in the league can prove that the quality and the standard of what's there. Um. So yeah, I thought it was important to, to totally. kind of bring that into the conversation. And again, you know, the situation that we we're talking about certainly the Celtic. You know, we've brought six players in from the G League. Italy's kind of modelling doing that same model except with Scottish football and picking up, you know, young talents like <laughs> Lewis Ferguson, Aaron Hickey, as a good few, you know, and it's quite incredible to think that Italy are, are doing that. Um, the next one to possibly be in that mix could be Stephen Welsh, you know, he's been linked to a move to, to Udinese before, but one that is looking less likely to be heading to Italy, we know, what they the sport with is possibly going to Sampdoria, but one looking less likely is it old mate, Josip Joranovic, Um because it came out today, Quinn, that uh, Monza appeared to be going uh, for a full that's on loan uh, from Marseille at Elche at this point in time. I'll just get his name up here. Um, but it looks as if have went for an alternative option, which should be good news to ourselves. We know that the owner of Monza is a first-class chancer. They've obviously tried to, to um, test Celtic's um, grip on Juranovic, um, Paul Larola it is the uh, Monza are looking at from, from Marseille, but um, it looks as like if it's like in a kind of similar deal. It's uh, a loan initially, um, and then they've got an option to buy in it, but you know, I, I think that probably comes in the wake of Juranovic surely knows that there's probably much better options out there than Monza. I know to Monza, but you know, there's Premier League interest in Juranovic. We know there is, the issue at this point in time is that there's nothing concrete on the table, and have heard it before with we footballers um, who have interest absolutely you know I've got a great interest in the Beatles but it doesn't mean I'm going to buy you know their, their soul rights or whatever else um, <laughs> so you have an interest in a player but
1: yeah.
0: maybe there's a come to fruition but you are looking for more than 7 million for Kieranowicz you absolutely are
1: yeah well I think that argument goes hand in with them too like I think it's like Chelsea and Atletico Madrid and those kind of teams that are interested in them and need them for big title pushes, qualifications for tournaments, that kind of thing. Then yeah, definitely, and actually, like probably along with Hakimi, you know, the the, the top one and two right backs at, at the World Cup. But if those guys don't need right back, who does? You know, and then you're quick looking at what who then realistically is going to be coming in for them, and then what do they spend on right backs? Regardless of position and um, you know prestige, as it was, you know, so I think it's I think it's unfortunately a buyer's market for somebody like Juranovic. It's kind of the situation we're in. It becomes a seller's market when it is like a premium team like at Chelsea or At Athletic, because there's just less guys that can go to that level. But for Monza, for example, what's bust that bubble? In my opinion, Juranovic is with seven million on the minimum fee obligation to buy. His wages won't be nothing either. This Paul uh, Paul Larola, that upfront, Obligation to buy would be nowhere near seven million. May- wages might be somewhat commensurate because he's been around uh, Marseille and he had a really good season somewhere else a year before. I forget now. Uh, Valerian, I forget. Doesn't matter. But um, but yeah, they definitely won't be paying seven million. You know, and that's the problem. It's like that, don't need to spend seven million on a right back. They can go and find somebody for three or two that might do the job for them. So I think you know we 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 definitely. Need to, um, We've got three, three right-backs now. <laughs> I'm thinking about it. <laughs> if Monza doesn't come through, because it's like, it is a team like Sampdoria that come in for him, maybe a Fiorentina, it's somebody like that, and then how much do they pay? It is like £7 million, you know.
0: Something that I always in interesting off the back of the World Cup 20 was whether the January transfer market would change too dramatically, because we, we know from, you know, history that, you know, you might be throwing Andy Carroll or something into the mix here, but it's not a market where people go absolutely mental money's usually spent in the summer months. Teams might top up or whatever else come come January or going for a player who's who's going to be out of contract and get them in a cup price deal. Could it be the case that, that Celtic haven't Yranovic contract until twenty twenty six? Sit down with a player here. If the options, you know, come the end of this month aren't right, again that's a hell of a long way away. It's almost three weeks, uh, less than three weeks away, um, and say, listen, maybe we're waiting to the summer here. Do you think that could be a possibility?
1: I think, well, again, it's just if there's no bites, then you're kind of forced to, you know, because again, like right back in defence, like again, if you're having to fix that problem mid season, something probably quite bad happens. You know, you've changed a manager, somebody's been injured, or just totally dropped off the face of the earth, or you've sold somebody perhaps. So we might need to wait for a domino effect to maybe kick in somewhere else. Where somebody sells a right back to Leicester or something, you know, yeah. and then. But Ma- Manchester United,
0: Manchester United been in this conversation. Um, we won Bissaka, who looks as if he might end up going back to Crystal Palace. Could be that kind of domino effect that you're talking about, Quinn. We know that Chelsea yep. has another club that's interested. That's because Rhys James is injured. And then there's a few others in uh, that mix. So, as you say, though, it could be that it just takes, you know, one player to leave a club and then that happens. Um, but we just we, we don't know. But listen, I think we all much prefer Juranovic to go for a better deal. I, I, as I continue to say, Celtic to me are still in the and seat with just now. There's no reason why conversations aren't taking place between Celtic and Juranovic's representatives, as well as a player, and trying to get the best move possible for him that will benefit the club in tune. Um Because, you know, this could potentially be. The last big money move at twenty seven. It might not be. Could go somewhere for a year and again go for decent money, but we'd much prefer that if obviously Celtic benefited, um, of any type of transfer for Juranovic at this point in time. We'll just see what happens with that. You never know. We could be on next week. It we could be out the door. You, you just don't know. Um, but but Stephen Mills totally. was that a surprise to you or did you see that coming? We obviously learned um during the week that, that Celtic were now willing to listen to offers of previously rejected offers from. Toulouse lose in, the, in League One and Udinese in Serie A um, but, but Kobe Yashi's arrival you probably fought from that yep. Steven Murch's time might just be up now
1: Well I think um, all the kind of commentary that I heard coming around it was it's on the, the motivation of wanting the guy to get more game time and development and I think it's actually a bit of a, a masterstroke from the club because if we've got Jens on loan to the rest of the season really is there any point cancelling that probably not um, whereas our actual homegrown player that we do have contracted is now sitting idle so if we've got this guy on loan anyway who can cover for Carter Vickers Starfelt, obviously Kobayashi is in the building like you say uh, Iwata's is also in the building now who could do that job if it really came to it uh, for the remainder of the season at some point then it makes absolute sense for Celtic to let Welsh go out on loan and get as many high value minutes as he can so then in the off season when we don't extend the because I think that's what it spells the end of now um, when we don't extend the ends, We've then had a player that's still our, our academy prospect. He's had, but he's not been sitting getting rusty on the sideline. He's been away developing. He's been keeping himself uh, on the pitch and, and moving forward. So I think it's actually a really, I think, I think it spells the end for Jens probably in that respect. So I think it's a real, um, a, a real smart move from Celtic to make sure that Welsh does get minutes this year by hook or by crook.
0: You think it'll be a loan deal then? You don't think it be a permanent?
1: Nah. That's that I don't know, that's just the kinda the, the sentiment I kinda felt around everything I seen reported. That's all it is, you know. My opinion, you know. But I know a lot of people I are going Bits put it. maybe we are selling them in...
0: Yeah. You never know. Um in terms of, you know, bullshit, I think people are just putting the, the bits of the jigsaw together twenty and the portis looks as if he's likely to leave Hibs and that's where they could possibly go if he checks out of there. Um, but if you're getting into some from League In and see they are, especially when, as I say, you know, Scottish players got to see that. in recent years, they've got a decent track record. There's no reason why he can't go over there and develop. Um, but if there is that desire and need for first team football that he obviously has, you know, a, well, a, a, a loan deal might not just cut it, you know, because it's saying it could be just a loan back sitting on the bench or whatever. At this point in time, Starfield and Vickers looks unbreakable as a partnership. Jens, we'll if he's quite happy at Celtic. We don't know if the club will. Yeah, make that a permanent move, and obviously we'll Kobe is there. Do you think there could also be a dominant effect in this for Boston Labo? Because at this point in time, it looks as if he's really in the fringes of the first team. And if Wales departs the club, be it on loan or permanent, surely then that brings Labo into the picture a wee bit more.
1: If Welsh moves out permanently, then definitely that paves the way for him because the will gets the expire, and this and if Welsh is sold, then yeah, there's a spot for him straight into. So, yeah, no, that's a, that's a very good point because he's very highly rated. And um, I think with the, the Ben Doak thing continually slapping the, slapping the club in the face, it feels like this season, with the accolades and the promise that he's shown, there's definitely an increased sense of um, determination, I think, with like, Rocco Vat starting to get minutes. A while, and like you say, he's getting spoken about more and more. And I think there's one or 0 O2, uh, O2, is that 2 Yeah, 2 and
0: Ben Summers, I think, is another one as well in yep. the mix.
1: In summers, yeah. So I think there's definitely a, a, an increased kind of vigor to bring these guys through. So maybe, maybe it is Welsh out on a permanent and then, and then we start to see a while for next season.
0: It's an interesting one because even then, people would say, Quinny, exactly what you just said back, you know, about Welsh would be a loan deal that you want to play out playing." Obviously, levels playing, Golden league football at this moment in time. So it was I hear knows from speaking to to Dan in that, that podcast that the club are keen to keep players in and around the building so that they're doing you know, the, the, the same routine as first team players but again, if you look at maybe somebody like Adam Montgomery who's back at Lennox Town just now, you'd probably prefer that Montgomery goes back out and loan wouldn't you to another Premier League team? We've seen him at Aberdeen, we've seen him at yeah. St Johnson I think the Saints are quite keen to keep a hold of him you'd possibly we may be maybe looking at Lawo going somewhere in you know, the Premiership or the, the Championship even to to try and develop a wee bit better, or do you think it's right that you should just stay with the B team?
1: I think for a high-value prospect, you just get them in as soon as possible. Like, if you want to... Like, I, I, I quite like drawing examples from other clubs and maybe try the same kind of thing, but Barcelona, like, you know, Pedri and Gavi, you know, when they get their debuts, and the Barcelona have done this for the last, you know, multiple decades. You know, if you've been playing in their system, then they don't really care what level. If they fit think you've got the level they'll play you. That's kind of the attitude that they have, you know. So if he's playing in the system and he's doing it, and then it's just down to when he's ready from from the, the club's perspective to, to bring him into the first team. That's probably I, I think, particularly for the way we play, we're starting to to groom first team. I don't think you maybe want to run the risk of putting them somewhere else, particularly a defender, and then they're getting taught bad habits or you know old styles of play that aren't going to benefit you when you're actually playing for us. Like, lots of clearances and headers and stuff like that, but in terms of actually playing football the way we are shaping up to for the next foreseeable future, you know, maybe alone you don't really gain much out of it other than practising headers.
0: <laughs> Aye, well, we'll see how that goes. We've kind of covered the transfers, I think, quite thoroughly in depth there. We've looked at the players already at the club, Jakimakis, Uranovic, Wales, who possibly might be going out. We've looked at the potential incoming in Chogu Sung. Let's go back to the first team two 0 at the weekend against Killy. Um, it's just a case for me just now, twenty a the games off. I don't really care if we win every game from the until the end of the season one 0 and it's scrappy. Um, but listen, two 0 probably going in five or six. It wasn't for the one of trying to try and score more goals and we just you know didn't really get a rewards in terms of the, the the score line, but we certainly got rewards in terms of the, the three points were for a victory against Kilmarnock at the weekend.
1: Yeah, and it was another good game for, um, I suppose, seeing the manager's influence on shaking the team up. You know, it was a real night and day situation between first half and second half. And, you know, like at this stage of the season, you know, you probably shouldn't need the manager to give them as big a shake in in that sense. With with Bernabeu being in, Moy started the game as well. Jota was back in. There was a few people still needing to just uh, maybe just fully gel. So with, obviously, we've got another game against at the, you know this weekend or whatever. I think the the main thing, like you say, was tick that game off, first of all. Just get the win at home at Kilmarnock, scratch it off, and then move on to, to the next one.
0: Any performances that, that stood out for you at the weekend? Because it was a team that I think a lot of people had kind of been calling for, for a wee while. When obviously Bernabe comes back in at left back in the absence of Greg Taylor being out, we see Moy going to midfield, O'Reilly uh, dropped out, and then Jota came in uh, up top any any standout performances I thought Hatate another really good game and I fought Maeda again really really
1: good game I thought Hatate was was definitely the standout you know in terms of you know just uh, particularly in the second half just in terms of getting in amongst it and really trying to shine and, and put a bit of a stamp on the game um, and yeah, so I, th- I think Atati was the only one that really stood out. But again, like it wasn't one of those games where it's been quite clearly ran by like over. I know Aureli really didn't start, but even Moy or Jota or these types of guys, it was a bit more of you know repetition, keep playing to the game plan, and then just waiting for the opposition to to break and our, us, for us to take our chances. And yeah, it is. It's one of those ones where you can see being a fan watching the team. It is very dogmatic, it is very repetitive in terms of how we build up to attack and try and break down. And it takes so much discipline for all the players to to continue that for the whole game. Because we always cry out for someday just to grab the ball and go buy a man and just do something different and break the lines. And sometimes the game calls for that. But particularly when it is a Kamarnock match, which is persistence versus resistance, you know, you do have to keep the persistence up the whole game, you know, because as soon as you abandon tools, then you, you know, all that hard work you've just put in. To do long bong or to do whatever has been for nothing by the end, you know. So it's good to see that it's carrying on in these situations that we never stop.
0: That's it, and it's exactly that. And again, there's you know that, and I've kind of been um, listening to Jota and the manager after the game, 20 around believing that in terms of everything that Celtic preach and practice during the week, that other teams will tire and we'll be able to exploit that no matter what the situation is and as I say, you know, 2 0 Celtic deserved the three points. It could have been a hell of a lot more, but it wasn't for the one that I'm trying, which is very positive. Um in terms of the team, you know, first half I didn't think Bernabé was was all too impressive. I think a lot is want to see him get, you know, that eventual run the side that, you know, it, you know, just to kind of get a look at him properly. But if there's any kind of hindrance from the manager's perspective do you think there possibly could be a temptation to stick Rio Hitati at left back and only bring in a certain conversation because he's played it before? He was player of the year playing it for Kawasaki. Um, we've seen him play right back this season. I don't think Burnaby deserves to drop out of the team after these performances at the weekend, but you think it could be something that's at the back of the manager's mind if there was any issue?
1: I definitely think it could be an option for games like St. Mirren or whatever. I think at Hamden playing Kamarnak, I think you want Burnaby for width. But I think in those games where we Absolutely. do know it is going to be 11 men camping in the box, having real, because in we've again, we've spoken about this enough times, the positions they take up in midfield is why Hitate shined at right back, you know, because he's not really a right back, he's really another midfielder. And then that allows the manager to play his, his teacher's pet, as I'm calling him, um, Daddy Cool, Aaron Moy it allows you to still play uh, O'Reilly and it still allows you to play McGregor, you know? So you get four of the best footballers on the pitch, you know? So if it is St. Mirren or games like this, while Taylor's still out because it's a hamstring injury, these things can be like a month or so sometimes depending on the grade of it, you know? Um, then, yeah, I, I definitely think it's a case for maybe seeing wee glimpses of Rio filling in certain games. Maybe anybody picks up in a couple of yellows because he's got one or two already. <laughs>
0: There's also the fact that the manager likes to the t, and it gives you a wee bit more kind of um, expansion yep. to do that in and, and, and midfield. Um, as I say, when we can play there because he's did it um, in the G League. So it's one that you might think about. Do you think the game will be any different on on Saturday? Um, because I know that the, the, the media have been completely tone-deaf to the way they're kind of spinning this with, with Kyle Lafferty. Um, we know the reason why he was suspended for 10 games. It was because of a sectarian slur or Irish racism, um, whatever way you want to put it, you know, that that's what yep. it is, there's no point dressing up, but we are kind of, you know, seeing him as this kind of jovial character, and oh great, you know, he's out outside my office doing star jumps and whatever else, he'll likely come in at the, <laughs> the game on and, and Saturday, <laughs> Um, but do you think it will be any different? I, th- I think the big pitch at is going to suit us, I know Celtic perhaps are a big pitch, but I, again, you know, what Jota was saying about the team believing in, and other teams tired and you know I think Kelly will look to get the ball in the box as much as Base if they play him and Ash Taylor you know as, as playing they've always looked for the big target man but you know Quinny we, what we've got the firepower we've got if we really go at them we shouldn't have any real issue
1: No I think this is a game particularly because we did just play them and did beat them so convincingly at 2-0 I think if we get a goal or two quite early then you know their souls will be destroyed. You know, just like we're going for one. I've just played them last week, with the day at Hamden now it's already. You know, imagine it's 50 minutes into the game and we've got a goal or so already. Um, you know, I think it, will really, it would really test their resolve. And despite you know having two matches against, you know, by this point I, I don't imagine they're going to have many opportunities to. You know, actually score against us or whatever. So I do think it could be a really good semi-final for us. I don't expect much change from Kamara. Like there is something in me that thinks that maybe uh, Kenneth was using, you know, the game, uh, the, the league match as like a training exercise, and maybe he does prepare a little sucker punch and a little surprise tactical thing um, for this for the for the semi-final. I wouldn't rule that out, but I just don't I don't know Kamara well enough to really imagine that they've got the capabilities to do that. To be honest. <laughs>
0: also find the competition interesting, Quinny, because managers out talked about that in the press today, and that, uh, you know, this was the first trophy that he won at Celtic. He knew when he came in that he had a vision, he wanted the team to have an identity, but had to get everybody on board with that. I was certainly on board with that, you know, a couple of weeks down the line, and as always, supporting every Celtic manager that comes in to hopefully do the best of their abilities. We you know, people will be fickle, and whatever else, people... Or make their judgment depending on what they bring back. But when you lift the first silverware of the season, after what had been a dismal season beforehand, it certainly got everybody on board with you. And it probably helped us push on after that winter break. You know, But we got that first taste of silverware under our, our belt. We've got that picture behind us there, Kyogo. who scored the two goals in that cup yep. final against Hibs. We'll be hungry to get back there and lift that trophy again.
1: Yeah And that was quite an iconic final You know Sometimes the League Cup You know I know know, We've not always been winning it Over the last Trebles aside You know I know St. Johnson did pretty well And whatever But League Cup finals There's not been too many of them That have been that powerful You know Like wow
0: And historically Historically, Celtic They've got a great record And the the, the League Cup You know It's a trophy that We We failed to win for for years I think Through the the late 70s, 80s, particularly the 90s, and then we've kind of turned that form around ever since Brendan Rodgers arrived at the club, you know, what is it, we've won five out of the past six, probably, League Cups, I would, would say it is, four, obviously, during the travel years, it would be, five out of the last six, which is an incredible record, but yeah, I know exactly what you mean, you Um yeah. possibly apart from that, that Julian, final uh, in terms of, you know, uh, That's what a it meant, but, in terms of Cup final, it wasn't a great spectacle, especially not for the old ticker, but yeah, absolutely, and again, I think it just kind of builds into that, that it's also, probably beneficial to the players, that they've also tasted that wee bit of defeat at Hamden. Um although yeah. it would have been nice, had we, we beat Rangers in that semi-final of the Scottish Cup, that that can benefit players, that, that have been at both ends of this now, that have felt the glory of lifting, a trophy at the National Stadium, and have also felt the disappointment of missing out on a Cup final, so, there will be a hunger of desire and effort to get there again and also looking at the FA Cup um, over the past weekend. You know The manager will be one of those players. You know, Villa Stevenage is a, a prime example. Don't let that happen to you. Go out there, do the job, stick to what you're, you're used to doing and put your place in another final.
1: Do we think Segrist plays all the way to the final in these Cups? I think there could be potential but he's injured as far but- as I know at this point in time. So what is, it? is uh, that why he's been out, he, out on the off the bench? That's why,
0: he's, that's, that's why he's not been on the bench. So unless he makes a recovery, I would say no at this point in time. Had he been fit, I think he possibly could have been Quinny, but he's you know, it's been his competitions so far. But again, maybe the manager was just doing that in the other rooms and then he goes back to Joe Hart for semi final um, and final. But what was your take on that? If he was fit, do you think he would play the game?
1: I don't know. I think he would play the same. He knows a different one, but it's a, it's an odd one because um, you know we've seen it to great effect for second goalkeepers that take that role in other clubs across Europe. And I don't know. I've just never taken Sigrist seriously as like the number two goalkeeper. Like I don't see a world where Joe Hart leaves and Sigrist becomes number one, for example. Like I don't see him being like a prop two in that respect. He's more of a number two of like if something happens, we have a good guy that can do something for a few weeks or a month or two, if, if required. Um, so, yeah, I, I, do find it, I, I do find it an interesting one. I've not got much of a, a firm opinion on it, to be honest with you, for better or for worse. But as, uh, as uh, I'm just not totally... I just don't get secret I don't really fully understand him. What he's, is he going to be the number one after Joe Hart? Is that the thinking when you sign him? Or is it just the cover aspect? Because the cup appearances would let you think maybe they are grooming would be number one. But it depends how far that extends, if it does get into semi-finals and finals, for example.
0: And again, we're sitting January time, and he's only played two games for the first team. So I think that probably adds into what you're saying there, Quinny, about how seriously and um, that's maybe the the thinking that's down the line. He is injured; he wasn't on the bench at the weekend. Scott Bain was in the bench, and I'd probably rather that Celtic just stick with Joe Hart and go and see that Scott Bain in there. But it's uh, it's one that you know could have been a potential, probably not to be. Um, but but we'll see what happens with that. The Cup has been a competition I've used to rotate a wee bit in, obviously, but you would imagine kind of looking at a semi-final, you're going to go full pelt strong and, and really go for it because it's important that we in that Cup final again. The turnover here is going to be very, very quickly. It's The Cup final is the 26th of February and you really want to be there um, because given the, the new guys that have come in, you know, Aaron Moy and um, Alistair Johnson, another one who's obviously very fresh in, that chance to, to go and lift uh, the first trophy in a Celtic jersey is a special moment, and you know we're really hoping that we we are there to do that.
1: Yeah, and if we get another kind of iconic final like the one that's like, in the background, then for some of the, the players that didn't play in the game because you know if you remember that was a game where we just got Kyogo back from international duty, then he was injured right afterwards for ages. So at that time, the squad was still. You know, the place, some of the people we have in the building weren't in the building at the time, and even some of the ones that were maybe weren't match fit or really made a big impression in that match. Maybe they didn't start or something. So I feel like this could be a big, it could be a formative final for the likes of Alistair Johnson. Um, and yeah, maybe some of these are guys that didn't play in the last one.
0: Rio, Rio Hatafe didn't win the, the Cup itself, obviously, late in. Maeda is another one. So there's a few in there who, who didn't come in. Or is another one to, to even think about in, in terms of that. Quinny, um one of the kind of big stories this week was around VAR, our good old friend VAR for the last ten minutes. I wanted to keep it because we're doing it to cover it. It, sure. it is there, it's a story, um, and that was of course that the premiership clubs were being consulted um for a summit on this and it would be presented to, to FIFA latterly. Supposedly Ian Maxwell, who is of course the SFA CEO, um has been raising with the clubs supposedly, and we'll do something to learn of you in the summer. But where is your mind at with this, Quinny? Because it's been, again, a bit of a tumultuous week. You know, at this point in time, would you feel confident in saying what is a handball and what isn't a handball in Scottish football?
1: No. I think uh, they've made a right Doug's dinner, of and they've really showed their true... You know, they, 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 a lot of the decision-makers have really shown their true colours because some of the blatant this was awarded here, but this wasn't awarded here, that do exist this season alone from the existence of VAR being available. It's not even as if Pre-VAR or in This is actual examples of you could have called this this way for little Aberdeen, let's say the Connor Barron one, but he called it a different way for, for Rangers. And, you know, you, you, you can use all these examples, but it just shows that when these people are looking at it, like, so many of these things are, in terms of the handball, because no one can really like, so say no one agree, it's not being clear and obvious to all of us, then they're taking something clear and obvious and making a firm decision on it. And when you do that over, you know, all the examples that we've got, you're going to get people angry because if we can't agree on what the bloody rule is for the start, then there's going to be inconsistencies. But there's, it feels more like there's a clear, uh, you know, deliberate, you know, we can dis- we we can we can frame the rule this way this week, that it was self self-defense or it was a natural position or it was not a natural position or the ball was heading towards goal or it was this or it was that um to suit, to suit the narrative to bail the referees out. But once you've done that three or four times, they then are in conflict with each other pretty quickly and it just shows that they are just making up as they go along. They don't really know what they're doing and they've we spoke about this. They brought it in far too soon. They've bitten off way more than they can chew. And really what they should do, I don't even know if they've the ability to do it, but rather than doing summits and seminars and meetings, is they should go out and hire. Just go out and hire some guys from other countries, referees that are actually good. Pay them a few quid, bring them in. You know, because this is like real consequences of the game that are at jeopardy, not just for us, right? But other teams that are fighting for getting into Europe, fighting against relegation and all the rest of it. And then... Um, you know, everyone wants the game to be best and for the game to be best, you want fans to be happy. And if you've decided to roll this in mid-season, you can't take it away now, you know, because then it just makes an absolute mockery of sport and integrity for the for the league this year, from that respect, you know. So you just get people in and say, right, this is the rules, this is the way it is now, handball means this, offside means that, Or you know, whatever else they, they need to clear up from their, their dog's dinner of, a, of an effort they've had so far and then move forward with professionals in place rather than amateurs learning on the job?
0: No, well, it's, it's part-time referees, and that's been something that I've been saying about for a hell of a long time, is that you know bringing in technology where you still get people part-time, when it's really not at the front of their mind, I don't think it's going to help anybody. Um, until that changes, I think you have got a hell of a long way to go. Um, so, yeah, we've got Willie them? I think, as the referee, at the weekend, we don't want to turn this into a referee show, but mm. there, there is, <laughs> aye, boo. There, is uh, there is, serious concerns that I think, not just from Celtic's part, are being expressed across the league just now. And um, Dundee United, probably one of those teams, most recently at the weekend. I know people that were watching on the the Motherwell Hibbs game. It was an offside given in the game, and again the camera was absolutely woeful. Um, from what it was used for, and again I picked up the wee clip, you know. We've seen Alec McLeish come out and, you know, kinda of blast Martin and his <laughs> comments in this. Um we've seen other people come out and say Celtic fans are paranoid again. You know, we're going back it almost as if we're back in two thousand eleven with the Doogie Doogie scandal here. Quinny. But yeah. the issue is that Celtic fans are seeing what I think are very fair complaints about VAR at this point in time and they have evidence to back it. Because there's been handball decisions given against Celtic that penalties were denied for in Celtic games. You know, take the Hearts one and compare it to O'Reilly or really Burnaby or whatever it is the Dundee United game. That there's a there's evidence building there that you've given that. So how do you, you give that? The, the thing I always ask about referees is consistency. It's not been there. It's not just Celtic at this point in time, but it is showing that that you know in the league. One team's not conceded a penalty at all. I think in thirty-eight games being Rangers for a wee while <laughs> there, it looked as if if you didn't get a penalty against Celtic, that you know, um, th- there was something up because we were getting you know, and you know, basically what I'm trying to say here is, that there's evidence there, and I don't, I don't think it's, I think it's just premature and just you know, ignorant to say Celtic fans are paranoid. I think it's total nonsense.
1: I agree. I think once you've got to the position where the manager and I think it was O'Reilly but when your players and managers actually respond to questions about the situation and then subsequently and also the comments are well guarded and everything right? but they're not getting brought George up in front one. of a panel, in front of the SFA, they're not getting fined. Yeah. You know, they're getting done for bringing the game in to distribute because they're not saying anything that's out of line. so to say Celtic fans it's a wee bit of the I say the doogie doogies or whatever, all that stuff from before is uh is nonsense, you know. It is just denial, it's flat out denial, is what it is, you know. Otherwise, as poster coglu matter and who else has made these kind of comments in the last weeks or two, they would have been fined by now or have you know suspension points against them or something, but they've not because everyone accepts that this is, as you say, blatant evidence before us all, it's undeniable, it's not distributed, it's indisputable, you know.
0: And always try and be as subjective as I can be um, you know but when it comes to these things I, I don't think it's easy to go two foot in right away on, on issues um, like this um, you know you need to be I think you need to be kind of balanced as to, to a point and uh, if you're not balanced you know you, you're going to come really? to kind of mad judgments. Um I said subjective or objective is what I mean because of it, subjective is being influenced Um but, you know, as I say, there, there's evidence building now and that is concerning and I, I don't really know where we go from it, because as you say, Quinny, the technology's been introduced early, if you remember right. It wasn't meant to be just introduced until after the World Cup. So they had those weeks before the World Cup to get used to it and become back and it's still a shambles and really what kicked it off as that Derby game at Ibrox with a handball and you know loads of pundits loads of people who watch football in Scotland they said there's going to be a decision in this game and the place is going to go wild and that is what happened
1: yeah totally and uh, yeah hopefully that's it we, we spoke about it before it being the crutch you know the way they even phrased it when introduced it like oh so we've got a new signing in the refereeing team as If like oh this is going to make us better rest now all of a sudden like no, I've like said before they obviously can't agree on the rules. So that means all the rules for handball and these other things that we're upset with and their eyes are not, you know, aren't black and white. All the referees can't sit in a room and agree on handball, quite obviously. So if all the referees can't agree on handball, then how can they video officiate it after the fact with each other? It's just crazy, you know.
0: And as well as ourselves, as as paying customers, there's there's other teams in the league who are paying good money to go along and watch the football teams and that, Spectacles are getting ruined now by referees who'd, who can't interpret the rules, and it's different from one week to the other. So, yeah, it's, it's concerning, and I really don't know how it gets fixed. You know, you can have a review like this, is that going to improve things? I would really be surprised if it did. Um, because as I say, I, I don't think you're going to get anywhere near a level of improvement until you have full time referees in Scottish football. And and it's not yeah. the, the wee bit of talent that we've got that comes from central Scotland, you know, where is the referees from from Inverness and Aberdeen and the, the islands that there's none. It's always, it's all Ayrshire and Lannox and refs. If you look at the you know, everybody that officiates in the league, it's incredible. Why why is that the only crop of talent that we've got in terms of referees in this country? Um and again, that that leads to people, you know, making the assumptions or you know, Bully Collin, for instance, he's a, a, a teacher in a Catholic secondary school. He's one of them. Or, you know, John Beaton goes to a, a Rangers pub after the game. He's one of them, blah, blah, blah. Really, we don't need that. Sure. You know, we, we want the, the, the match to, to, to run as it should, um, no matter what way it goes, and have the, the, the rules implemented as they should. I think that's all we're asking for as, as football fans. Um, could of we set double figures and January now, 12th of January, we are at the halfway point. I'm pretty relaxed at this point in time I would probably say about everything, we're nine points at to the top of the table, that comes off the back of getting the late draw at Ibrox, so we've won that game against Kilmarnock as I say it's about ticking games off this next wee free game period I'm quite looking forward to in terms of hopefully booking our place in another cup final, we'll then get St Mum at Celtic Park on the Wednesday night and then Morton in the cup and I'm hoping to see a wee bit of rotation in the team. Would you so you share that uh, sense of uh, calmness, stillness at this point in
1: time? Yeah, for sure. It's definitely, um you know, uh, because again, let us say 12th of January and so much of the business, I know we're trying to tie up some loose ends with the outgoings and then maybe a subsequent replacement for Jackie Marcus. But outside of that, you know, there's not really much going on to disrupt the flow of, you know, the team and the kind of upward momentum that we've had, you know, over this return from the World Cup Um Ultimately, leading by the you know the, the last couple of games like you mentioned there, so I think yeah I can see us going real uh, hell for leather over the semi final against Kelly and then playing St. Mirren equally as well get three points on the board in the league with Morton. Redemption. I do expect there to be some rotation. Oh, redemption against St. Mirren, remember redemption? It's going oh, to be of course there is reason. redemption to be had. Of course uh, there is. Right. Yeah, yep. well remembered. Um, but against Morton, like equally like as much as I do think like we could maybe put. Seagrass or Bain and Glows or something like that. Maybe Kobe Ashi could make a debut. I don't think I the so. manager will take many risks because, you know, we've all been around football long enough to know that banana skin results happen, you know. So I don't oh, think course. there'll be much of a sending the B team out to play Morton, but it might be let's debut this guy, let's give him his minutes, he's overdue, yeah. and then Tumble get the result by, be... and make some subs for that, yeah, t- and t- blah, 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 maybe, or yeah. whoever. Yeah.
0: Turnbull could be somebody that maybe comes in against Morton. Hopefully, yeah. the banner, which is starting to to push back towards some kind of return from injury. James Forrest is another one you could bring in against Morton. Of course, as you say, they're kind of the squad's in a shape where, you know, everybody who comes in now should be able to come in and do a job and you shouldn't be in the situation like you were uh, last season when we played Rafe Rovers in the Cup. Um Quinny, <laughs> yeah. pleasure as always. Um chatting to you on a Thursday as I say we'll you. be back we'll be back next week. Um we're past the halfway point there. It'll be two games ticked off by then, so it's quite exciting. Hopefully we we'll are talking about Celtic in another cup final. Hopefully it's another three points ticked off the board. Quirley, have a good weekend. As per usual, listeners, thank you, you for, for tuning in. Um, whether you're on Spotify, YouTube, or whatever else, please do like the video if you're watching. Continue to subscribe to the channel if you have not already. Please do press that button down below and we'll catch up with you again next week.